Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Sessions in Life. As you can see, uh, my co-host Josh Calhoun is actually not here with us today. He is, um, he's, you know, tending to family business. But I have, um, you know, one of our very dear friends, a really good friend of mine, uh, church planter, pastor, theologian, <laughs> you know, Jeremy theologian. Taylor. So Jeremy is actually going to be hanging out, hanging out with us today. And I don't think he needs to introduce himself. Jeremy, you've been, you've done I've, about what, this four is episodes probably, with us at this point? This will definitely be three that I know of. This if, be it's, three? if it's been four, you know what? I believe it is the fourth yeah, one now that I'm thinking. I was about to say. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting my numbers up. So I'm, I'm our most featured guest at this point and over different topics, you know. Yes. Uh, so that's that's saying a lot. Really um, talking about different topics, uh, we just published our last episode on uh, God and we actually had uh, um, Devon Simons. Okay. Um, and she, you know, gave an amazing mm -hmm. um, experience of how God has impacted our life. But this episode, mm. we are actually starting on baptism. Yeah. Both... And we're actually going to be exploring both water baptism and spirit baptism. Some and heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. That can be controversial. It can't, but, but we're not even going. We're not going to wait. We're going to try not to wade in the controversial waters. That right? definitely won't happen. We're going to try. No guarantees now, because you know Jeremy and I, we we get to it and then it happens. But we, we're going to. We we have pledged not to to we have. Pledge to try to stay away from controversial waters. I'm pretty but, sure uh, we'll do good. I think we'll do yeah, good. Yeah, we, we do good. Absolutely. I might get some inbox. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have an email address. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> find Jeremy. You can find Jeremy on Facebook, oh, don't Instagram, do that. all of that. <laughs> yeah. But um, but today we are actually, you know, as, as we usually do, our very first um, episode uh, explores the nature of the topic. And since the mm. topic today is baptism, we're going to be discussing the nature of of baptism and we're going to start out with um with water baptism i think uh you know i think something that's basically pretty obvious is that baptism is basically the act of being immersed or immersing someone else and um as it has to do with water baptism for the christian it is the act of immersing someone mm -hmm. in water um in the name of the father son and holy spirit or the name of jesus christ um but that's, you know, that's basically, that's what you're seeing. It is an act of being immersed or um, basically it's an act of being immersed mm -hmm. uh, where you, you know, to mark your identification mm -hmm. with the gospel and with Jesus Christ as Lord. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, and, and that's... And I believe the, the uh, eunuch that Philip baptized right, it right. said when he came up out of the water right he, just to put a little tooth and nails in yeah. the why immersion is a practice that practice, we're, right. we're saying yeah. that we see because biblically that is what you typically see yes. is the immersion someone right. coming up out of yeah yeah no i think um you know of course there are certain traditions that speak to well no washing is okay or you know sprinkling mm -hmm. but i think what I, I you know and of course it, it probably has to do with basically what like i think like you said you know the biblical it seems like the general biblical consensus or the majority mm -hmm. of biblical evidence speaks to the fact that baptism is by immersion. And the word itself, baptizo, you know, is most clearly defined and understood even at that time to speak to this idea of being immersed. Yes. Right. And, and there were times where um, they did use sprinkling because of uh, the lack thereof. Right. Um, and this was over the early church. Uh, they didn't want to prevent, like we see in the scripture, right. what will prevent me from being baptized. So they didn't want to prevent anyone. So there were times when 
all they had was a little bit of water. But what they did was they actually would sprinkle you three times from head to toe uh, as a s- symbolic to cover you all because we couldn't emerge because of, uh, if you go back and do research, some of the um, baptism pools that they started out with, they were very shallow. Okay. And so that was why okay. at that point there was this sprinkling. Um, but as time has moved on, you know, they realized that's why you see a lot of churches and what have you. They'll use something that allows for immersion because right. biblically the practice is immersion. immersion but there were some very, um, there were circumstances that, that they didn't want to hold someone back. So they worked with what they had. had right. And that I, I, I would argue for the fact that, hey, you know, that's that's grace. And yes. That, and that God is a gracious yes. God. Yes. Yes. But um, so as it has to do with water, you know, water baptism, obviously we see that they are, you know, pra- you know, I would argue, you know, basically two primary parties involved. There's mm-hmm. the baptizer and yes. there's the person being baptized. I, I think of the baptizer, you know, say maybe the Christian who shares the gospel with you or maybe mm-hmm. a pastor or an elder, but I, I typically think of that person as representative of the church. Yes. Right. So the idea, it's not that, oh, this person baptized me. It's mm-hmm. that I was baptized by the church, but the individual who baptized me is representative of the church. You know, mm-hmm. And I think of it that way because, you know, you think about the Great Commission going to all the world mm-hmm. and make disciples, baptizing them. You know, mm-hmm. this is, I'm like, do I, do you interpret this as an individual commission or do you interpret Jesus's command to go into all the world and make disciples as a command to the church, right? Mm-hmm. Go into all the world and make mm-hmm. disciples. Therefore, when you are baptizing someone, mm-hmm. you are representing mm-hmm. the church. The church in its obedience mm-hmm. to Jesus Christ. So, but but we have the baptizer who yes. obviously has to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, the person b- being baptized is more likely than not is um, should be a new convert. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. The person should be someone who's, you know, if all things being equal, the person should be someone who's just who's coming to the faith, mm-hmm. maybe immediately or mm-hmm. not too long after, mm-hmm. um, you know, their their belief in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we, you know, for whatever reason in church practice, there have been, you know, we see it. I, it seems like it's become more common where you have people who have been saved for years mm-hmm. and now. And all of a sudden, they're being baptized. But, mm-hmm. I, but I, I think the biblical ideal and the picture that Scripture presents is that you're being baptized by someone who is um, representative of the church, mm-hmm. and that the person being baptized is a new convert. Yeah. Obviously, um, the medium is water. You're being, ba- mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're being baptized in water. <laughs> yeah. Now, something that you know, something that I find interesting okay. is that generally. Baptism, at least in, you know, in my in my training and in my exposure in church, and is that you know, generally baptism is described as symbolic, as a public, you know, as a public profession of faith, mm-hmm. and that it's symbolic. Yeah, I I don't necessarily see, I don't I don't necessarily see that in scripture. I don't see scripture saying, hey, it has to be public. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I don't see that. I don't see that as a teaching. I don't see that mm-hmm. laid down anywhere in scripture where it says, hey. Um, Baptism has to be done in public. Yeah, um, I see. I don't think. I, I think it's when I look at scripture, it's neither here nor there. There yeah. isn't a mandate that it be done publicly, mm-hmm. and there isn't a mandate that it be done privately. Yeah, um, it, you know, so I'm like, it's it's neither here nor there, mm-hmm. and I don't see in scripture where it is a profession of faith mm-hmm. to the public. 
Mm. Right. What I see in scripture, especially you know, when I look at um, Acts 2, 38, you know, mm-hmm. the very first post-resurrection gospel proclama- proclamation on the day of Pentecost, you know, the Bible says that Peter preaches, and in Acts 2, 38, it says that his audience or his, ear, his hearers are pierced in their hearts, and their response is, hey, brothers, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And Peter's response is, repent and mm-hmm. be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, mm-hmm. um, repent and be baptized. This is what Peter is saying, repent. And I'm like, I get repenting for the forgiveness of your sins. But I think sometimes what we struggle with or we try to ignore is that he says, repent and be baptized mm-hmm. for the repentance of your sins. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, of course, we see in First Peter 3.21, right, where Peter says that he says something like baptism is, depending on the translation you use, it says, it is a pledge mm-hmm. from a good conscience toward yeah. God. You know, some translations say it is a plea for mm-hmm. a good, it is a plea to God for a good conscience. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? regardless of what translation you use, when you take that and then you look at Acts 2.38, yeah. you know, where it says repent and be baptized for the, uh, for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm like, what we see is that it's not a profession. Baptism isn't a profession that I'm making to the public. Mm-hmm. Baptism is a profession that I'm making to the Lord. Yeah. Right? Whether it is a plea from a good conscience or whether whether it is a plea for a clear conscience, whatever mm-hmm. it is, I am commu- I am not communicating to the public. Mm-hmm. I am actually communicating to God. Yeah. Right? So, you know, so when I, when, you, when we take that and then we, you know, we take it with the, the, the other instances of scripture where we see people being baptized, we say, yeah, they, they were, you know, they were baptized publicly, but is it possible that they were baptized publicly because that was typically, you know, to people, people, people typically washed or they, you know, there were public sources of water as opposed to having private, you know, private sources of water like we have now. Mm-hmm. So it was, but I'm like, there's nothing in scripture that says, hey, this thing is a public, has to be done publicly and that you're professing to the public. What I see scripture saying is you're professing something to God. You're mm-hmm. saying, God, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is the Messiah. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a clear conscience. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I mean, how does that ring with you? Well, I think it's important that we realize um, there are instances in the Bible that are descriptive and then yes. they're prescriptive. Right. So God will prescribe some things, and then some things is just a description. Right. So with baptism, you're just seeing a description yeah. of what it looked like. It wasn't like God was prescribing. It has to be public. It has to be viewed. It exactly. has to be this way. Yeah. No, that He's painting a picture of the move of God and the growth of the church. Yes. So when Luke, who literally says, I am giving an orderly account, of all that Jesus began to do and yeah. teach. Yeah. So yeah. this is my whole purpose to give an outline. Yeah. And it, and it's one that um, features universality right. because I'm working to lay out that God is one who has used Jesus to bring everyone into right relationship. Yeah. Um, Luke deals with uh, the birth of Jesus going all the way back to Abraham. Matthew deals yeah. with, Ad, no, I mean to uh, Adam. To Adam right. So he's saying we all come from the first Adam. Yeah. So he's always describing and painting this picture of 
Jesus being the one that brings everyone into right relationship with God the Father. So by the time you're looking at Acts, which he writes Acts as well, he's done his research. And so he's giving an organized um, account of everything that's taking place. So you're getting a picture of the flow of the church and how it grew and everything that took place. So he's not saying, hey, this is what you have to do as believers. That was not why he wrote Luke or the book of Acts. And so whenever you realize that, you can kind of relax um, and not be so stringent and and be so rigid and dogmatic. But you can say, hey, um, from what I've seen, it was not mandatory. Right. So we uh, need to tread lightly and be careful Careful, where we're trying to make this something that's public. Public. And then stamp it with it has to be public. Uh, because when you look up Philip and the eunuch, that wasn't public. It was just them two. He, exactly. he was walking by yeah. and saw him. You, do you know what you're reading? And so what do you, what will prevent me from being baptized? Yeah, I believe there's, there's water, water right, right there. Yeah, and Philip and, doesn't say, well, there have to be 10 people around before we do it. No. Right on it. He says, well, hey, you believe. And yeah. Philip was just, he was a deacon. Right. And right. he had just become a deacon. You know, right. it wasn't like we we see all we know about Philip is that instance then he's getting stoned. Right. <laughs> There's not a lot of traction with Philip. Yeah. So um, to your point, the baptism can take place when a believer has a conversation with the non-believer. Yeah. Um, not, it doesn't have to just simply be um, a leader of the church. Right. It doesn't have to yeah. be an ordained pastor to make right. it official, to, to put his stamp of approval on it. No. Um, you we all should have that same pull, if you will. What's going to prevent me from making this decision right now? Because I don't want anything in my way. Yeah. So what do I need to do now that I believe in Jesus Christ? What's my next step? Yeah. I think, I think one way of putting it is, Hey, you know, if you, if you're capable of giving an accurate, robust presentation of the gospel, mm-hmm. then you're capable of baptizing. Yes. Right? If and you, that's what you see. Yeah. If you can share the gospel with someone mm-hmm. fully and accurately mm-hmm. to where they're convinced by the Holy Spirit and they're convicted mm-hmm. um, and they say to you, I believe, then you ought, I'm like, you ought to baptize them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and you, and, and you stand, re, you represent mm-hmm. the community of faith mm-hmm. when you're doing that. Yes. You know, Cause even as yeah. the church grew, you'll find that a lot of times, uh, if you if you speak to different church leaders or um, individuals who are involved in the va- baptism process, sometimes a, some of the wise pastors realize it's good if the one that brought you to faith is here with here you with during right. this process yeah. because yeah. you're just getting to know me. Yeah. But I didn't present the gospel, gospel to this to individual. Yeah. So where is the one that did? I need you to come up here and stand with them. Good. And help as we immerse this person, yeah. because now we're all celebrating together. But we celebrate you for getting them to this point. Right. And I think that's that's a wise approach to have. Um, I'm happy for those yeah. that take that approach, yeah. but I don't knock those that don't. That don't you know, exactly. you know, if yeah. the shoe fits, wear it. Right. Yeah. What what you have? I don't know the context of the culture of your church, so there may be reasons that you do what you do the way you do. Yeah. So it's not a knock against anyone. No, not at all. Some of these not practices, yeah. um, it, it sheds more light. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, it um, shows the heart of God 
to me. Yeah. And, and it allows me to say, wow, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. That's actually beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so then it, it caused me to say, I want to incorporate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And but, I want to empower those around I, me. I, I think it, I think it captures the sacredness and the intimacy of water baptism because what we are seeing is we see you know especially with the baptizer being representative of the church we see the church mm -hmm. bringing a new convert mm -hmm. to the lord mm -hmm. like you know like i'm like that's the picture the church of god mm -hmm. is bringing someone mm -hmm. new into the kingdom yes. saying father yes here you know here he is right and the church is leading you mm -hmm. in this in how to say this plea yes. or make this pledge to god from a clear conscience or for a clear conscience. I think it, it, it captures the solemnity, it captures the sacredness mm -hmm. of what's going on. So, you know, the, you know, I think, you know, the idea of baptism, it's, no, it's not something I'm saying to the public. Yeah, It's something I'm saying to my God and Father who loves me. I recognize what he has done. I recognize and I'm convinced of who the Messiah is. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is not make a statement to the public. The first yeah. thing I do is make a statement to the one mm -hmm. who's offering me salvation. And know? in the early church, that was their thought pattern. That was their thought pattern. It, it was totally saying yes. your salvation is hinged upon this act. Yeah. So they, they yeah. realized the first thing that takes place is this baptism because with us um, uh, immersing you in the water, right. now you're dying to your old self. self yeah. And when you come up out of the water, you're a new creature. Right. And that's why immersion was yeah. the practice. Yeah. We want to totally yeah. immerse you yeah. so that when you come up, nothing is lacking. It's almost like the picture of um, Achilles in Troy. Right. Everything was dipped but the but Achilles, the, right. and that's what killed him. Yeah, and so that's why we practice immersion, immersion right. because we don't want anything exposed Close, to where yeah. there's a weakness. And I, th I think it's important because, you know, I think sometimes whenever we use that imagery of, okay, I'm being buried or I'm dying to sin yes. and now I'm coming to life. Mm -hmm. I think we often use the word symbolic. We, you know, we mm -hmm. say, hey, hey, baptism is symbolic and it symbolizes my dying to sin mm -hmm. and my resurrecting with Christ. And I'm like, I, and, and, you know, but I'm like, when I look at scripture, I don't see that either. No. I don't see scripture saying mm -hmm. that baptism is symbolic. No. If we take First Peter three twenty one and we take Acts uh, two thirty eight and others, what we see is that baptism is actually what uh, baptism is the original sinner's prayer, mm -hmm. and the prayer that I'm praying to the Lord is, God, I believe, please let me be dead to sin in Christ, mm -hmm. and let me come to life to you in Christ. Mm -hmm. So it's not a symbol; it's no. not symbolic. You're actually praying you're making a statement but i think i think where where we get confused is we, you know typically we think of we always think of prayer as something that's verbal i have to mm -hmm. articulate it i have to say it but what we see in scripture a lot of times is that there were a lot of prayers that were prayed especially prophetically where it's demonstrated i'm not necessarily saying something mm -hmm. i'm actually demonstrating it mm -hmm. so so when so baptism i'm like ah. Uh, I don't know that it's so much symbolic as you're actually communicating something, mm -hmm. but you're not communicating it with words. You're mm -hmm. communicating it with your actions, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, no, you know, so I'm like, so when you, you know, so what I've heard, you know, some people have said to me, well, Ubi, are, is, um, is baptism necessary to sal for salvation? And, the, you know, what I usually say to them is, 
is the sinner's prayer necessary (laughs) for salvation? Because typically, you know, in our culture and time, we share the gospel with someone and and, and we say to them, if you believe, Mm -hmm. repeat this prayer after me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, what that implies then is that if you don't believe, Mm -hmm. you're not going to say the prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, what I would say is in the New Testament, in the early church, in the first church, what we see is when people believed, the apostles didn't say, if you believe, say this prayer. Mm-hmm. What they said was, if you believe, be baptized, yeah. be, repent, repent, and be, be baptized, baptized for yeah. the forgiveness of your sins. Mm-hmm. So, what we see is that water baptism to the apostles is the sinner's prayer. Mm. This is what you say to God, or this is what you communicate, but you don't communicate it with words. You communicate it by demonstration. This is what you communicate with God. You demonstrate your plea to God for the cleansing of your sins, that mm. through Jesus's through Jesus's life, you're dead to sin and now alive to God. It's not symbolic. It's not a, a public profession. It's actually something that you're speaking to God and it's a prayer. It's you know it's the first. And prayer. it has to be a reality. Um, I think we take away from yeah. it when we say it symbolizes, right? Because his death on the cross was not symbolic; it was actual. It was actual. The debt that he paid for our sin was actual. So by me doing this, there's a real experience that takes place where I am changed. Yeah. I'm transformed. I'm not the way I used to be. Yeah. And and those that say. Uh, do you have to be baptized? Maybe they're they're thinking about, you know, the man on the cross that Jesus forgave and right, saying, well, he wasn't. Right. So there are circumstances where time doesn't permit because a life might be lost, but God's grace covers that. Well, but I think and, that's, and, you know, that's, that's where you have the exception proves the rule. There, there exactly. are exceptions. I'm like, yeah. you're not going to, you don't, you don't create, the, the exceptions actually prove the rule. That, yes. Like, you know, th- and that's, I'm like, that. I'm like the fact that you're citing that example lets proves, me know you really lets me know yeah. you actually get the idea that yeah. I am supposed to be baptized. I'm like, and to keep it simple, I'm like, if not for any other reason, Jesus commands it. Jesus did it. Jesus yeah, exactly. He said, "Hey, that's why John was like, what you know, do you? How? Why yeah. are you asking me to re- to baptize you? I should be getting baptized. Be getting baptized, right? And he's, you know. I have to fulfill everything. Yeah. So yeah. he's even saying, uh, you know, you're without sin. What are you repenting for? Well, I'm demonstrating, I'm showing to to everyone, and then God is going to honor it even right now because now the Spirit's going to come down on me like a dove and the the, the sky opens and he says, this is my son who I'm pleased with. So now God has let everyone know that spectating, I am the son of God and the Holy Spirit is now upon me. So you're seeing again a description of what takes place as believers when we go through the baptism right. process yeah. because it all still correlates and corresponds even today. Even today. Yes, exactly. You know, so I, th- I think, you know, like, you know, I mean, my gosh, bap- baptism, I mean, we could, we could take a lot of time to flesh it up, but I'd say, Hey, I said, it has to do with water baptism here. Two things you need to remember. Number one, it's the original sinner's prayer mm-hmm. in the sense that it's not something you're saying to others. It's a prayer that you are demonstrating to God mm-hmm. and what you're what you're praying is God I believe in Jesus through him please cleanse me of sin and death that I may experience death to sin mm-hmm. and that I may experience life mm-hmm. with you through Jesus Christ that is actually what you're praying mm-hmm. and it's something that you're saying to God and the church or representative of the church is guiding you through that process yeah but I love that you know um, you actually brought up 
Jesus' baptism where he says he comes out of the water and the dove comes on him. I think that I think that's a great segue. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not I'm not, I'm not making the case for that being spirit baptism, but I think it's a great segue because you know, you speak of this, the Holy Spirit coming in the form of the dove. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think <laughs> when 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 you start the conversation about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it tends and I don't get it. I'm like, we're supposed to love the Holy Spirit. He is the other comforter. He's the spirit of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's the one who guides us, who teaches us, who empowers us even now in this life to mm-hmm. live holy and to do the work of ministry. Without him, we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting that um, Christians, who are, Christians who are either non-Pentecostal or non-charismatic tend to have this you know, it's almost like a, a certain level of freak out mm-hmm. <laughs> the minute they hear spirit baptism. So what I've, you know, so what what I appreciate is, or what I typically do is, I use the word um, spirit immersion because that's mm-hmm. what it means to be baptized, to be immersed. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found is that people tend to actually like, oh, oh, yeah, spirit baptism. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit means. To be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So if I ask you, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm like, don't freak out. I'm not I'm not saying, hey, do you speak in tongues? Do you prophesy? Do you cast out demons? I'm, that's not what I'm asking you. Mm-hmm. I'm simply asking you, have you been immersed in the Holy Spirit? Have you received mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit? It's, I, you know, I don't, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is the very person. This is mm-hmm. the spirit of Jesus Christ. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and he's God and mm-hmm. he loves us and he's here to guide us. I don't think we should be freaking out. And and we have to understand the irony of all the baptisms that took place that weren't accompanied by speaking in tongues. You only have a few okay. accounts. Right. And really, if you think about it, it was because God was putting on display that I'm I'm connecting with Gentiles. Right. So for okay. you Jews okay. that are watching, thinking that they cannot be connected to me, that they can't have in the relationship same way that with me. you have, yes, right. You spoken, you all spoke in tongues together. So I want to make sure, even though those yeah. are, even they that were yeah. Gentiles. And then when Peter goes and baptizes Cornelius's house with those six other gentlemen, he can now say, "Hey, say what you want to," but when I baptize them. They started speaking in the Holy Spirit. They believed just like we did. Right. So I can't even knock it now. Yeah. And then the, the council says, you know what? Then that's what it is. Right. So it was God opening the door for everyone yeah. to now be accepted because Jews had this view that it is only us. us which right. for a while, you know, that was the that was the command. But right. you still see throughout Scripture where he still was bringing in Gentiles. Yeah. It just wasn't. The tradition became yeah. we cannot um, have any encounter with them. And so when Jesus has this experience where the Holy Spirit descends on him, he doesn't speak in tongues, but the Holy Spirit does lead him into the wilderness. Right. So you see that there's this work of the Holy Spirit that wasn't there before yeah. because now I'm being led somewhere that I, I would never go. And now he's beginning his ministry because now the Holy Spirit's come and now I'm being led to go to this wedding. Yeah. Now I'm being led to go to the Capernaum. Now I'm going here performing all these miracles and people don't know me on the other side. And now I'm being led by God. Hey, we need to go to the other side because these people don't know me. God has something for us. So you're seeing this move of the leading, but you never see the speaking in tongues. Right. So when we, we put such heavy emphasis on that all because, well, you know, Jesus died. He gave us now the Holy spirit. And because now this is a different experience than what he needed. Not necessarily. It, but, you know, it, it was a different purpose. Yeah. And, I, and I think I think it's important to say 
right? Because you're not saying this, but I don't want, and I don't want anyone to hear that here otherwise. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm not, you know, you're not saying, hey, tongues is not a gift that should be sought after. No, that's not what you're saying. No, no, no. I think what you're saying is, hey, don't be too quick yes. to subscribe this one manifestation mm-hmm. or expression of the presence of the Holy Spirit and His power to this particular phenomenon you know, the immersion of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When we see other examples yes. of the Holy Spirit displaying the power of God when he comes upon people, yes. even the first time. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I, th- I'm like, Salvation that's, that's what you're saying. Salvation can be hinged on simply on, tongues. On tongues, right. And there's some traditions. That's a product yeah. of, but it's not the only product, well, only product of. Exactly. Yeah. And Yeah. So, but, um, you know, so I just, you know, when I think about spirit baptism, I think, you know, just like we talked about water baptism, the idea that the idea is that, hey, and then, you know, a Christian who's representative of the church is immersing you in water. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when we look at spirit baptism, we it's, a, it's important that you understand that with spirit baptism, Jesus is the one who's actually immersing you mm-hmm. in the Holy Spirit. You know, and John captures that when he says, hey, I baptize you with water, but there's one who's coming after mm-hmm. me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit yes. and fire. Right, yes. um, you know. So John, the you know John, uh, the prophet says this in the Gospels on the day of Pentecost when Peter is you know explaining what has happened. He says, "Hey, that Jesus Christ has resurrected, is sitting with the Father, and mm-hmm. has received the Holy Spirit, and He is the one that's pouring out the yes. Holy Spirit again." Um, now you know you hear. I, I think it's important to hear because just you know um, something of mine is I like pointing out the Holy Spirit is not an it. You know, so you hear imagery of all the Holy Spirit being poured out and you can start to think that the Holy Spirit is in it. No, it's very clear. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be angry. The Holy Spirit can be pleased. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit leads. He is not an it. He Mm -hmm. is the third person of the Godhead. He's a person. He has emotions. He has intellect. Mm -hmm. He appreciates. He gives life. He teaches. Mm -hmm. But, um, But what we see is Jesus. In this case, Jesus is the baptizer Mm -hmm. right and what i what i love is you know and again the person being baptized is the new convert Mm -hmm. and i think what i find interesting about uh the immersion or being immersed in the holy spirit or being baptized in the holy spirit is that more times than not actually not more times than that what the bible teaches is that jesus immersing you the new convert in the holy spirit is a response is God's response to the original sinner's prayer, mm. right? So, so spirit baptism is God responding positively to the prayer mm-hmm. of water baptism. You know, in water baptism, you're saying, oh, Father, give me a clear mm-hmm. conscience. I believe in Jesus Christ. Wash me clean. Cause me through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be dead to sin yes. and alive in you. And mm-hmm. God responds by saying, yes, I'm going to give you my, you know, I'm immersing you in my Holy Spirit, who makes death to sin real. It is, yeah. it is when you receive the Holy Spirit that you actually empowered to actually say no to sin, mm-hmm. and it is the Holy Spirit who actually brings us into the presence of God yeah. that we might approach His throne boldly in our time there you of go. need. Right. So, so spirit baptism is God responding. Mm-hmm. Is God's positive response to those who have sincerely repented and said the sinner's prayer, or ha- and have done the sinner's prayer in through baptism? You know, mm-hmm. and we see that again 
um, Acts 2.38, mm-hmm. on the day of Pentecost, Peter's preaching, they're convicted. They say, Brother, what should, brothers, what should we do? And Peter's response is really interesting. He says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So even the apostles, you know, the apostles understood this like, hey, the expectation was you hear the gospel, mm-hmm. and if a person who hears the gospel is convinced, if he repents and and he says this and he demonstrates mm-hmm. the prayer of repentance or the sinner's prayer, which is baptism, God positively positively responds by giving him His Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We see that again in Acts nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. When uh, Paul comes across these disciples in Antioch, and, mm-hmm. you know, it says, "Hey, they're fellowshipping." And at some point, Paul says to them, "Hey, did you guys receive the Spirit when you believed?" It doesn't mm-hmm. tell us why Paul Paul asks this question, but it actually says, "Paul says to them, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?'" And they said, "We didn't even know there was a Spirit." Mm-hmm. And Paul asks a very interesting question. He says, "Well, mm-hmm. so into what then were you baptized? You know, like what kind of baptism did you have?" And they said, "Well." The baptism of John, yeah, right, and 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 Paul says, "Oh no, John baptized mm. in pre- to prepare the penitent for yeah. the coming of the Messiah. But now mm. that the Messiah is here, you need to be baptized mm. in Christ, mm. right?" So, what I think for me, what that passage shows is Paul's expectation, right, or I guess you could call it the the apostolic expectation, was that if someone is truly repentant. And they have been ba- and they have said, or they have demonstrated the sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. which is which is water baptism, that they should receive the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, "Have you received the Spirit?" They say, "No." And Paul's kind of like, "Well, what kind of you know what baptism were you guys baptized in?" Right. So I think those two, you know, those two scriptures again, you know, affirm this idea that. The, that you know that the giving of the spirit, God, that Jesus is pouring out or giving of the spirit to a new convert, is his response mm-hmm. to their belief and their confession, mm-hmm. which is demonstrated through water baptism. How does that hit you? I mean, I agree um, with you totally, um, because that is that is the the picture um, that you see um, is that there is this combination of what needs to take place. And it also shows the preeminence of Jesus's yes. baptism over John's baptism. baptism. Exactly. So when he identifies it, Oh, you're still at the first stage, so to speak. Yeah. So you don't even really realize that Jesus Christ has died. So, oh, okay, we need to do something about this yeah. because, yeah, that was what was acceptable when Jesus was alive. Yeah, that's all we had. Yeah, but there, but now that He has died, Jesus has given us a whole a spirit that we need, and so yeah. now let's baptize you in the spirit let's yeah. baptize you so you can receive the holy spirit because you're going to need let's that. water baptize you so that god baptizes you yeah right. Let, yeah. let's let's make sure that you have that you that you're doing it the proper way so you can receive all that you need yeah. it's a part of putting on the whole armor of god like yeah. you, if you're lacking anything in your tool belt then that's what the enemy can utilize and that's why god gave us the holy spirit because totally. it empowers us it totally. leads us into all truth yeah. so we need that person working within us we need all of the triune god working yeah. for us and through us no i i, I agree with I, I mean i agree with you totally i think um 
you know, I just want to read this scripture. It's uh, Acts 19. Okay. I'm going to start from verse 1. I'm using the Christian Standard Bible. It says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through, through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. Mm-hmm. He found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized, he asked them. Into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, Mm. that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. You know, I think this, you know, there's just, there's so much to unpack here, but I think something that stands out to me is that, you know, this disciples say, we didn't even hear, right? Mm-hmm. When Paul, you know, Paul says to them in verse two, you know, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, mm-hmm. they told him, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think, you know, like that scripture um, that really hits me because I think it's emblematic in a lot of ways of where the church is today, that there are believers who don't, who are freaked out, right? The mm-hmm. believers who are freaked out when they hear the Holy Spirit and then the believers who don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and then the believers who are ignorant of the Holy Spirit because of, you know, because of, you know, for many reasons, but I think one of them is, you know, the, the things that, certain traditions have added mm-hmm. to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, to the person of the Holy Spirit, to where some of us have, we have become so cautious, right, that our caution has actually even transitioned into fear yeah. to where we don't even want to talk about the Holy Spirit at all, <laughs> right? And he, so, so, so here are people who, are, who have heard John's message about a Messiah, mm-hmm. and they're in this place of repentance. They have turned, they're waiting, and yet they haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. I'm like, is it possible that this attitude, right, um, of um, distance, mm-hmm. if you like, towards mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit can have, you know, like there are consequences to that, to where I'm like, hey, you know, you can't, I'm like, how do you, le- how do you live mm-hmm. the life of Jesus, right? It is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. How do you experience the Jesus, the life of Jesus. If you don't, if you haven't received His Spirit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's I think that's very clear in Romans. Paul says, "Hey, um, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ, mm-hmm. right?" So you know, so for, you know, so a question that I that I think um, believers or anyone that identifies as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, a, an essential question to question to ask yourself is, "Do I have the Holy Spirit?" Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm not saying that to freak you out. It's not something to be scared about. It's not something to be worried about. But if you cannot answer with a solid and certain and sober yes, I know I have received the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. then you need to talk to your pastor, or you mm-hmm. need to find someone, right, who's mature to talk to. Um, but for sure, you need to have a conversation with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm like you. You need to go on your knees and say, "Jesus, I cannot say with confidence mm-hmm. that I have received your Holy Spirit." I'm like, I think you know. I'm like, 
every Christian should be able mm-hmm. to say with absolute certainty and conviction that they have received mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Because to, to not be able to say that is to not be able to say with confidence that you belong to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, understanding the nature of the Holy Spirit as God's positive response to your confession, to your pledging, you know, to him or to your plea to him for a clear conscience. And God says, yes, I, I go, I cleanse your conscience by giving you the Holy Spirit who comes in and literally mm-hmm. cleanses you. Yeah. Like he actually cleanses your conscience. He empowers you. He guides you. He teaches you. He grows you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, if, if you haven't been immersed in the Holy Spirit, then how do you, you know, how do you say you've, um, you've received them? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just, I think that's just, that's, that, I mean, that's serious. Yeah. That's serious. And, and the person, and it's essential that we understand that the receiving or being immersed in the Holy Spirit is not, um, it doesn't fall within the jurisdiction of one tradition or one denomination. Yes. Right. Scripture clearly shows, you know, just like, you know, like Jesus Christ said it himself, you know, the apostles say it, it is the, it is God's promise to his people. Yeah. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, mm-hmm. it is God's desire to immerse you mm-hmm. in his Holy Spirit, to give you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, because it is in the receiving of the Holy Spirit that you learn. He, you know, Jesus said, hey, I'll not leave you as orphans. You know, I'll come to you again. I'll send you another comfort and he'll teach you. He will bring things to your memory. He'll mm-hmm. empower you. I'm like... And the first time you see the move of the Holy Spirit again, it's all sorts of people. Yes. And and the key is they were in one place with one thought. So Amen. it was that unity. It was the unity. Oh. They were all concentrated, focused on one thing and in yeah. prayer, and that's when it moved. Yeah. So that being the case, um, it is not um, a monopoly right. for one way. For one way, yeah. Um, as long as your heart, your mind, and your focus is on the one thing, and that's yeah. knowing God, accepting Jesus Christ, and repenting, and then saying, "I want to receive all that God has for me," yeah. um, you know, then you're a candidate to receive once you've repented totally. and your heart is pure. Yeah. You know, there there is this this ideal of. God, I just say yes to whatever. I want everything you have for me that's going to help me become the Christian that I need to be. And that's why you can pray for wisdom and God can give it to you because the Holy Spirit is wise. Amen. Um, So um, that's why when you read the Bible and you need understanding, he can give you understanding and he can bring those scriptures back to your remembrance. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Even when you remember something that you read and you find yourself talking to someone, it's like, oh, man. That a lot of times we experience the Holy Spirit, we just don't know that that's what it is. Yeah. And so because of the culture that we live in, we can use things like, man, I have a guilty conscience. Yeah. No, that was the Holy Spirit convicting, convicting you. you. So we can't pick up the, the, the verbiage and the lingo that the world uses and then use that as our beat to the drum. Amen. And then Preach totally God. remove what yeah. God says to yeah. identify all of his identifying markers for who he is. It's not the universe willing these things into existence. It is God, the creator, that's holding it all together on this axis. So um, I think we that's where we have drifted 
um, as time has gone on. And we have to get back to what it really is and what it really means. And the Holy Spirit is what gives you the boldness to stand up yes. in situations yes. that otherwise you would flight, you would run, you would flee. It's, it, it gives you the power. It's the paraclete. It walks alongside you. It's the comforter. When, when, when you're hurting because of something that's taken place, for some reason you feel like God's arms are wrapped around you and you have this peace that surpasses all understanding yeah. because the Holy Spirit is upon you, yes. giving you what you need in that moment. Yes. And so the Holy Spirit is ever-present in the believer's life, but sometimes because of maybe what we've been told or, or what we've, we've said that we didn't experience, it causes us to think, am I inadequate? Yeah. Not realizing, no, God has equipped you. You just don't recognize it yet. That's all it is. Yeah. But um, a leader or a pastor or someone, that they can recognize, no, the Holy Spirit is really working in your in life. life. Yeah, totally. Let me point out some identifying markers right now. Yeah. Didn't you once used to go to the bars and get drunk all the time. Yeah. Now you don't even have an appetite. That's a work of God. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit. You don't even, yeah. you may be tempted, but you overcome it. Yeah. You don't yield. The Spirit has given you strength not to yield. Yeah. And so we have to, I, I love um, pointing those victories out. Yes. And those yeah. battles because you're actually winning a war. Yeah. And there are many others. I think, you know, Paul's very clear in Romans. He says, the Holy Spirit testifi testifies to our spirits mm -hmm. that we are children of God. I'm like, yeah. the Holy Spirit, like if you're a Christian and you've received the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit will make himself known to you by speaking or by convincing or, you know, by communicating to your spirit that God loves you. Mm -hmm. I think um, for those people who, for those brothers and sisters who are uncomfortable when they hear you know, talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being immersed in the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Here's how I say think about it. Whenever you think of Jesus, whatever you think about Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know, if you think of Jesus as being loving, well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is loving. Mm -hmm. You think of Jesus as being kind, the Holy Spirit. You know, like mm -hmm. whatever beauty, whatever glory you think of when you think of Jesus um, that is what you get with the Holy Spirit. The, yes. the whole, Jesus Christ is very clear. He will send another comforter, right? Mm -hmm. I want to read something. It's a John 7 from uh, verse 37. We're using the English Standard Version. It says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Mm -hmm. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Yeah. Those of us who have come to Jesus Christ, we have come to Jesus Christ because we thirst. And Jesus Christ is telling us that what quenches your thirst, what satisfies your thirst is this living water. Mm -hmm. And the apostle John is telling us that Jesus satisfies our thirst for him by giving us his spirit. Mm -hmm. On this side of eternity, the Holy Spirit is the literal person of Jesus mm -hmm. with us guiding, teaching, 
and satisfying that deep thirst for him. Yes. So when you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, you should actually you should you should you should be excited because mm-hmm. what they're talking about is Jesus. They're talking about the Spirit of Jesus, mm-hmm. the person of Jesus, literally making us into God's temple. Amen. You know, I, I I think it's beautiful. So I I I hope that this episode has blessed you. Um, I want to say to my brother, uh, Mr. Taylor, Pastor Taylor. Uh, <laughs> Once again, love you, man. Thanks for love joining us. Well, and of course, um, I'm going to have to uh, make sure uh, Josh, Josh is totally... Josh actually gives me the attaboy by saying, uh, guys, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, be sure to follow us on um, you know, different uh, different social media platforms. And please be sure if our content has been a blessing, with, a blessing to you, which I believe it is because we pray that and we desire that that's why we do it. Um, please be sure to share it and pass the word. Um, Thanks for joining us again. God bless you and have an amazing week. God bless. God bless.